0: Welcome to the Psychological Society of Ireland, the PSI podcast, where we bring you interesting and hopefully entertaining and informative podcasts about a myriad of topics. I'm Al Dunn. This time, we're looking at bereavement during the COVID-19 pandemic. Our guest is psychologist Stephanie Bloom-Nervy from the Division of Psychotherapy, who has particular experience in this area. You're very welcome, uh, Stephanie. You've, You've been helping people with bereavement for a long time. How is this experience different during the current pandemic?
1: Let me start with this. Uh, We we all know we're going to die. And yet for most of us, we don't think about it every day. Uh, Death is not just on our radar. Um, As a society, we tend to ignore death and mortality, keeping busy with living our lives, distracting ourselves, or even denying it can happen to us. Um, However, the COVID-19 pandemic has brought us all face to face with death. Uh, whether literally or in our mind. Usually death, grief and mourning, they're part of life. Uh, They are painful, but normal phenomena. And yet the extraordinary nature of the COVID-19 pandemic is shaking us to the core as it threatens our sense of survival in a rather violent way.
0: So how is this manifesting itself, Stephanie?
1: For us all around the world, it has been, uh, to say the least, unexpected, Global, filled with uncertainty, and and rapid, uh, with the sudden risk that we or our loved ones will catch a fatal illness. In fact, the COVID-19 crisis is experienced as a profound state of danger, um, not just because it causes a mortal threat, but to a large extent also because the threat is undefined in terms of its scope, duration, and, and means of defense against it. Um, despite all the speculations, nobody really knows how long it will last, how severe it will get, uh, or even how to defend against it. Uh, This is probably the most frightening combination possible, an external danger, which is not clearly delineated, um, giving way to, to subjective interpretation. No wonder that it's been repeatedly referred to as the invisible enemy or the hidden enemy, Um, A serious danger that we can't face head on and don't even see coming. And with that in mind, how can we feel safe enough?
0: So what's the answer to that question?
1: Um, I wish I had the answer, but consider this. Um, Facing this kind of threat, we can either adapt, connect and take care of each other. Um, Or we can feel overwhelmed by one of our deepest fears, ceasing to exist, disappearing. Uh, Now, being human, it's likely that we will oscillate between these two polarities. And the question is, what can we do to restore a sense of safety? Um, Beyond the practical safety measures that we are now all accustomed to, the answer to this question, I believe, is connection. Uh, Connection to yourself and connection to
0: others. Again, all of this could apply to anybody, but how is COVID-19 impacting on people who have lost someone?
1: Yes. um, The COVID-19 pandemic, like previous pandemics, uh, appears to cause multiple losses, both directly related to death itself, but also in terms of disruptions to rituals and mourning practices. Um, This affects the ability for people to connect with the disease, both before and after the death, potentially increasing the risk of complicated grief, which is a more intense or prolonged grief reaction.
0: So these multiple losses. What exactly do you mean by that?
1: Um, in the face of death, the, the the loss of the loved one is the obvious one, but it also leads to the bereaved experiencing um, secondary losses. Uh, these losses amount to all the smaller losses that result from the death of a loved one. Um, they require coping and adjustment to what you know to to the unanticipating changes in life created by the primary loss. Uh, such as changes in relationships, uh, family finances, uh, lifestyle. And however, some of these losses can go totally unnoticed, um, and they are called disenfranchised losses. Uh, that is when the loss is outside societal grieving rules, not openly recognized by others, uh, or not socially validated. In other words, the loss that is felt by the bereaved, but that is unseen, with little opportunity to be identified, worked through, or supported. And now the, the cumulative effect of these multiple losses is without a doubt accentuated with uh, COVID 19 and the restrictions in place.
0: Do you have some examples of these, Stephanie?
1: Yeah, well, for example, um, the sadness that we can feel over other people's losses. Um, not being able to visit a loved one um, with with heal or holding hands, being present. I'm thinking of the the last words that can be said or heard at the side of the deathbed. Eventually, moments of forgiveness or relationship mending prior to death, or something as practical as not being able to organize nor collect a condolence a condolence book. The impact of this crisis is heavy, uh, complex, and far reaching. I'd say it's still unfolding. And in relation to bereavement, the direct consequences are the abruptness of the losses. uh, I mean, without seeing the bodies and the incapacity to accompany people at the end of their life because of the confinement or movement restrictions.
0: The current restrictions are different in different parts of the country. What, What kind of impacts are they having on families of the bereaved?
1: Yes, well, there is a lot of confusion uh, and uncertainty out there with this at the moment, and it's, it's kind of changing all the time. Typically in Ireland, as in other countries worldwide, people are used to having a custom or a ritual around the death of a loved one. Um, here in Ireland, that ritual has historically happened quickly, and over a number of days, with many people around, uh, family, friends, neighbours and colleagues, attending many, if not all, parts of a wake, funeral, burial, or cremation. Particularly, however, people in Ireland are used to having some form of a gathering uh, together after the funeral. It is this ritual and the gathering that forms the support for those bereaved. Uh, humans are social species, even in, if not especially in, the event of death. And we get, we get great comfort from support, from the hogs of compassion, uh, from the cops of teammate, from the stories told in group as we sit around, reminiscing about the loved one, uh, crying, laughing, singing, or even just sitting in silence, but together. It is this togetherness, uh, this cohesion, this group bonding and group support that forms an early part of the processing of death. Um, however, the, the cruelty and the irony of a pandemic, such as COVID-19, is that to prevent more death and more suffering, we actually have to stay apart um, and isolated in order to to stay safe.
0: So psychologically, what are the immediate consequences on a person?
1: And the impact of losing a loved one uh, often leaves us with a range of emotions, Um, shock, anger, fear, loneliness. Uh, These feelings in the immediate Um, impact of any death are normal, but are likely to be heightened during COVID-19 given the speed and ferocity of the virus um, and the consequential isolation. I mean, left alone um, to think, thoughts may center around unfairness, injustice, and a loved one dying alone. Uh, Family and friends have to physically grieve alone. That's that's the difference. Uh, Those cups of tea, the holding of another's hand, the mutual tears cried, they are all lost beside the loved one. Um, Those who wish to engage in the usual customs and rituals cannot do so in the normal way. Um, You can see it, they stand apart, outside the church, along the street, keeping their distance instead of being together. The physical immediacy of this difference may feel totally unnatural and cold, and with this lack of physical contact, Uh, The sense of isolation of the bereaved is likely to be heightened. Now, these changes may make people feel like death hasn't really happened. It may make the death harder to accept. And in the medium term, it may still be that rituals are impacted. Uh, The month's mind, valued by many, may also be impacted. In the absence of traditional custom, people may well feel forgotten about whether it's true or not.
0: Are there any more consequences in the medium term?
1: Well, past the immediate phase of mourning, um, mental health professionals will be, I'd say, in high demand, uh, which is something that is already showing. For instance, to help deal with the guilt of not having been able to accompany a loved one at the end of their life, whether the death is related to COVID-19 or not. More generally, there will be a need to unpack and make sense of the multiple losses. Uh, talking to a professional or sharing grief with family and friends is a must in order to help the bereaved find meaning in, in what has happened. Also, because our options are limited, um, such as our coming and goings, places we can go to, or now the number of people we can see or not interest and distractions um, they're not readily um, available as they normally would be Um, and this decrease in activity levels is definitely reducing opportunities for self-care during grief. Another consequence is that the general sense of uncertainty can create difficulty planning for the future. Um, How to plan an event, an anniversary, a trip, or a special gathering in the current circumstances. I mean, we can all relate to this challenge and this is even more salient for the bereaved. I'm also thinking of the daily headcount of the death worldwide and endless and coming information or discussions about the virus. And they're they're all frequent reminders about illness and death and that can trigger the fear that you will experience further loss. Uh, I would say that definitely minimizing exposure to the news and social media will help.
0: So there's the medium term. What about the long term?
1: Well, um, long term, it it is difficult to tell how COVID 19 will impact people. Um, I guess time will tell. Um, What we do know is that uh, what is happening is unprecedented for most people, as well as traumatic. Um, Now, trauma and traumatic death. Uh, can leave people with questions, fear, and helplessness. Uh, Post-trauma can affect the mind and body, leaving people feeling um, numb, fearful, fatigued, or hyper-aroused. By that, I mean they can be in a state of panic or or particular irritability. Um, They may have flashbacks, nightmares, and feel disconnected from themselves or their surroundings. Now, these are all symptoms of PTSD and it is important for family and friends to watch out for such symptoms and and seek support if needed.
0: So what advice and strategies would you give to somebody to cope with this?
1: We spoke about the multiplicity of loss um, associated with the pandemic and uh, its impact on the usual rituals and social practices related to, to death and mourning. Therefore, we need to be creative and find new, innovative ways to promote connection with people before and after the death. Um, The same goes for the need to adapt rituals and mourning practices um, so that we can honour the dead and provide comfort, comfort to the bereaved. So, I mean, first of all, being physically alone doesn't mean being emotionally alone. So it does mean we have to find A different way of not being emotionally alone. Um, The hand holding can become a text or a note through the door. Those who would normally be sitting with you in the room can continue to sit with you over the phone or through social media like Skype or Zoom. Um, Those who would normally come and make the tea and the sandwiches, they can still leave provision at the front door. Many might need support like understanding and using social media to stay in contact or or something as simple as um, having their shopping done for them. Also, um, I would say it's also very important to remember the person's life as a whole rather than just the end, Uh, especially if it has been the end has been traumatic. Um, Every one of us is more than our final moments try to think about them in this way and to remember your relationship with them. Um, Write out stories or poems that helps you remember your time together. Now, this makes me think also of the role of uh, sensoriality, I mean, using our senses, which involves our physical body uh, as a way to feel closer and, and get comfort. A client of mine whose father passed away recently found some solace in hearing a song her father wrote uh, that was sung to her by some of his close friends. Now, there is no doubt about it. Grief is painful. COVID-19 grief is painful. Um, feeling that pain is actually essential, an essential and unavoidable element of the grieving process. It will take time, but the pain will eventually lessen. And having said that, uh, people have a unique way to grieve. So it is crucial to allow feelings and reactions to as they come, without judgment. And practically speaking, um, and even if it can be hard to think about, the basic elements involved in self-nourishment uh, will need attending to, like sleeping, eating, staying hydrated, maintaining routines, and staying active. Now, there are plenty of resources out there to allowing people to engage in physical activity remotely.
0: So what about somebody who wants to be a support to a grieving person?
1: If you are supporting someone who is grieving, um, what I would say is simply make yourself available and don't be put out by the current obstacles to connection and whatever restrictions are in place. Uh, Pick up the phone, listen more than you talk, and don't be afraid to ask what the person needs or wants. Um, Don't let your own discomfort or embarrassment come in the way. It's okay not to know. Uh, All it takes is you being proactive and present. Now in time, it may be important that people do mark the death uh, with a group gathering of some kind. How this looks like will be different for different people, um, but the marking of a person's life in a social context is what we know and what many need to begin to move on. But until then, there there are other options.
0: And there are some resources that people can use.
1: Yes, and I'd like to share a couple of um, resources, practical resources. So the, the first one is a confidential bereavement support line from the Irish Auspice Foundation and the HSE. Um, it is a free phone service on 1800 80 70 77. Um, and it's available Monday to Friday from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Also, maybe the, the website of the Psychological Society of Ireland, um, psychologicalsociety.ie, and the, specifically the Find a Psychologist section, where members of the public can find uh, chartered psychologists available for private work.
0: I don't know how to put this, but is there is there any silver lining to this whatsoever? Any upsides?
1: Hmm. I sincerely hope that the importance of coming together uh, is one of the lessons we will learn from the confinement period as a society. Never before have we seen so many WhatsApp group created, people calling each other from near and far, uh, even people with lost contact with. Common experiences bring us together, even adverse ones, uh, regardless of age gender, nationality, or socioeconomic status, we are grieving together. Now for me, the overarching learning is how much social connection, even through words only, or at a distance, are essential for human beings and are instrumental with helping overcome life's greatest challenges, such as death itself. As a society, if we can understand that and keep it in mind after this crisis, I believe it will be a great achievement um, and the opportunity to gain something big, beautiful and valuable from what has been a highly stressful time. Now, this period has the potential to uh, rehabilitate the reality of the grieving process, the importance of end of life accompaniment, of the rituals after death and of the need to support the bereaved months or even years after the loss. And finally, um, I would say that living with death in a more conscious way offers an an uncanny opportunity to appreciate life more fully. And that's worth for all of
0: us. Stephanie, thank you for sharing all of that with us. My thanks to a psychologist specializing in psychotherapy, uh, Stephanie Bloom-Nervy. That was the Psychological Society of Ireland, the PSI podcast. If you want any more information, you can check out the website, psychologicalsociety.ie, specifically the Find a Psychologist section. We'll see you next time.